and welcome back to The Scriptures Are Real. I'm your co-host today, Lamar Meyer, and this is my co-host, Kerry Milstein. Hey, Lamar. Good to be with you. Great to be back with you. I'm so glad you let me come along on this journey. When um, when you talked about doing this last year, I was like, oh, sounds great. Ah, that's good, clean fun. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? But we have a great time, and we have so much fun. And I have been uh, listening to your last couple of podcasts, and it's a great setup for what we're going to do today. Uh, and if you, this is my plug for anybody who's listening or who is, um, uh, has, is watching this, that go back and listen to some of these other ones. These are really good, good episodes. I was listening to um, your, I think, a short cast on the priests of, uh, now, do you say it Baal or Baal? I can't remember Baal. I say Baal. Baal. Okay, some people say Baal. Yeah. So what's yeah. the what's the real? Well, I mean, the problem is that uh, there's no right English version. So choose your English version, right? In Hebrew, it would be Baal. Baal, right? Because it has a has an apostrophe there, so it's Baal, right? Yeah. So that's what I thought too. But other people say, no, it's Baal. Yeah. Anyway, well, they, they can say whatever they want. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. Well, you know Hebrew, and I don't. So good. There you go. Okay. Um, I was listening to your your podcast on that, and I was uh, the the couple things that I took away from that were so good was. They're talking about the, you said about the Northern Kingdom. He said, don't look at the Northern Kingdom and that split as, is this like us? It's how are we like this? Because we're guaranteed we're going down that path. We are on that path. Um, So anyway, I just love that. It was a great thing. And then um, when you had on Kim Matheson, uh, which I, that's one of my favorite stories about Elijah in the, uh, in the still small voice. He sees the whirlwind. That's such a great story. And I, I gave a talk in church just recently about that. And I love that. So anyway, I know I'm blasting right into this, but I had to get to that, that I, if you haven't got to this episode or when you get this episode, if you haven't gotten those first, I recommend you check those out because that's going to set up who Elijah is and what we're talking about here. And as a transition to Elisha, and uh, it was really great, uh, great ones. I just had a great time listening to those podcasts. Uh, They're fun. Yeah, that was really good. Kim has some great stories about learning revelation and I really liked what she said, I was like, oh, that's so true. Sometimes it's not about what's being said, but how we understand, how we learn the language of God. How do we learn to listen to Revelation? Which is what we've yeah. been talking about here is, yes, we're in, interested in the stories, but it's not so much exactly what's in the stories for you. It's how does God speak to you in these, in, in these episodes? And it's the language of God that you understand as you get to understand for yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's such a, an important thing that sometimes we forget how, uh, how key it is that God speaks to us in a way that, that uh, both will work for us and that will stretch us. Um, and, and sometimes that's tough for us, and we'll see that in what we covered today. It's tough for us as we look at how God spoke with people from different time and culture and uh, uh, what they were expecting and how he stretched them is so different than what we are used to that sometimes it kind of freaks us out a little bit, but we'll look at that today. Yeah, which was interesting. That's what uh, Elijah went through with this little small voice. He was like, yeah, uh, yeah he, he has been in the fire. He has been in the whirlwind. He's been in the... In, yeah, he in just the, had all voice. of that. Yeah, that happens. But but really, the key is, what's the peaceful time for you? So anyway, he's he's being taught how to listen to the Spirit. And that is such a great lesson for us. And um, and I thought Kim did a great job of, of bringing that out. Like it's, Sometimes it's the quiet parts, the, the no's or the you're not ready yet that you mentioned that makes the, the answer more impactful when it comes, or maybe that you're asking the wrong question. But anyway, it was great information on, on uh, 
revelation and, and what to do with it, how to understand. So that gets us into today. So we're coming to the end of Elijah's ministry on this. And I, I wanted to point this out here. Let's go to uh, to um, 1 Kings 19. And um, oh, no, that's the that's the still small voice. This, we're going to go ahead. Well, yeah, but it's right at that. the end of, of 1 Kings 19 is when we get Elisha. Right, right. Oh, oh, that's what I want to mention. So I have to think of this this podcast like I would if I was teaching a seminary class, because I can't tell you how many times I've lost somebody or even myself as a, my own seminary student when I was a kid uh, or when I was younger anyway, that I'm like, wait, we were just talking about Elijah. Now it's Elisha. Is this just a different spelling? Is it the same person? Is it someone, you know, because sometimes people have different names, right? Like yeah. Jacob, then Israel, whatever. So I'm like, what's so I'm sure that our audience is much smarter than I was uh, back then. But just for the sake of breaking this down, let's let's go through where we first hear about Elisha. And that is right here in in first Kings 19, 19 uh, through 21 um, it says. So then he departed, he being Elijah. So Elijah departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Saphat. Is that right? Saphat? Shaphat. Shaphat, yeah. Who was plowing with, with 12 yoke of oxen before him. So here's where we first hear about him. He just kind of, it's not a big introduction. He doesn't tell much about it. He's like, oh, he found this guy. And this, this young man uh, ends up uh, following him around. So tell us a little bit about, what do we know about Elisha at this point? We know profit, uh, pretty much nothing, right? So, I mean, God in verse 16 had told him, to anoint him to be a, a prophet in his own room, which is a way of saying to be your successor. Uh, and, and then everything else we learn, we learn right here. Uh, I mean, he's got 12 yoke of oxen, which uh, suggests some wealth, although who knows, 12 is a symbolic number. So this may, it may be literal and uh, often it's literal and also symbolic. So it may be literally he's that wealthy that he's got. And it doesn't seem like he's, it's not that he has, you know, 12 all yoked together, with this plow, like, I mean, that's a lot of force for one plow, right? Uh, it <laughs> yeah. seems like he's got 12 different yoke because he's with the 12th. So he must have 11 guys working for him. That's, right. that's a, a certain amount of wealth, but that's also, a- of course, there's the symbolism of the 12 tribes of Israel. So this seems to be a way of saying he's going to be the prophet for all of Israel, like Elijah was, but maybe we're reading too much into it, but I, I, it seems to me when you get this number 12 thrown in there, that that's probably what it's indicating. And other than that, I, I mean, we know his father and mother are still alive. So, uh, and he seems to be with them or associated with them. So he's probably fairly young at this point. And that's about all we know. And this comes right after Elijah was in a cave and has this little small voice. And so yeah. it yeah, seems he goes like from Mount Sinai to Elisha's field. That's, that's right where he goes. Yeah, exactly. So he just, he, Elijah came from the priest of Baal and, and then Jezebel, uh, chases him out or he runs from Jezebel yeah and he comes here he goes this has the experience in the cave with still small voice and then right after that finds Elisha so we often read him in segments but that story is one continuous story yeah it's the story I mean this of, guy walks a lot but yeah yeah, yeah he's all over the place yeah but, but it's one continuous story he goes in there he goes to the the cave and has the thing he learns to listen to still small voice and now he is taking on an apprentice or a successor or a mentee right he's going to yep. bring Elisha. So we hear about Elisha, and then for several more chapters, we don't hear anything about him until later. So this is why it, it stumps a lot of people. Elisha's brought up here, but you, if you blink, you're going to miss those three verses. 
Yeah. And and then because the next he, several chapters are stories about other people and other right. stuff going on, which we can cover another time. But yeah, exactly. So that's the interesting part uh, with um, with Elijah, uh, and suddenly he is uh, Elisha is back on the scene uh, when we get there. So. Let's, now, uh, there's talk. one other thing that's maybe worth mentioning here mm -hmm. because it will play a big role um, in the story of the transition between Elijah and Elisha. And that's how Elisha or Elijah calls Elisha because he's out there uh, plowing, right? And Elijah just walks past him. This is so Elijah. Elijah just loves to be just a little bit odd, I think. He just <laughs> walks past him in the field. He's plowing his field and he just puts his mantle on him and keeps going, right? Like, here's a man. I'll yeah. see you later. Uh, wait, it seems like he doesn't even say anything. And you, you can imagine yourself out plowing and suddenly someone throws a mantle on you looking, oh, that's the guy with the, the girdle, the leather girdle and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but this is apparently something that they would all recognize because Elisha immediately recognizes, oh, he's called me to follow him. Uh, and that's why he asked, can I go kiss my father and my mother? And he says, yeah, Elijah's so funny. He's like, oh, whatever, right? What, I don't have anything to do with you other than that I just called you to be my successor. But other than that, I've got nothing to do with you. Um, and Elisha goes and sacrifices a yoke of oxen uh, and, and so on, just as, uh, you know, I guess a gratitude and so on for this. But this, there's some kind of symbolism here that everybody recognizes that the mantle, this hairy mantle is, is somehow designates this is kind of this great prophet. And thus, by putting the mantle on Elisha, it's symbolically, he's saying, you will follow me. And this is where this and the story that follows that we'll talk about in a minute is where we get this symbolism of the, the mantle falling. So we can, we can yes. uh, pick up on that more later when it becomes even more dramatic. But it starts here and is worth noting. Yeah, that's great, because we're going to talk. Uh, I'd like to bring up a couple things about the mantle. Yeah. Now, uh, in case anybody doesn't know what a mantle is, it's kind of like a long shawl or a yeah. cloak. Usually it's kind of worn over the shoulders versus yeah. a cloak that might have a hood. It could have had a hood. We don't really know. But that's kind of what we're looking at. It's a long shawl kind of thing that hangs over. And that's yeah. what we call a mantle. So uh, and this one's probably goat hair or something like that, where the camel hair. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Elisha's kind of a wild man in general because he goes by this, uh, you know, the, the leather girded. Yeah. Uh, He's kind of got a wild appearance. And yeah, so I, I like that he's a unique individual. He's yeah. not, um, he, he's, he's not your, <laughs> he's not your short sleeve, white shirt, you know, tie guy. He's, he's yeah. a, he's kind of a, um, he's your mountain man prophet. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mountain yeah. man is a good idea. He's a mountain man prophet. So yeah. And he's uh, a lot of people know who this guy is. I mean, Elijah's yeah. no small fame. He took out a lot of priests of Baal. And anyway, so. Um, so he drops the mantle on him and Elijah's, Elisha says, okay, he's called me to follow him and, and he goes out there. Now, a, a little bit about the, the names. Um, let's talk a little bit about what Elijah and Elisha means and why does he pick someone with the same name or, or, or a similar name? Or are we talking about uh, these are names that were given afterwards? Like, like sometimes you pointed out that man of shame, for instance, um, is one of the names um, for a, a successor of, uh, um, I just lost the name. Um, what's the name? You just talked about an episode. Uh, Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth, that's it. I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't remember the actual name for it. Yeah, and then you've got Mephibosheth later, which is like a, from the mouth of 
of shame. So yeah, these so are they're probably, probably not, not real really names. names. Yeah, yeah, not really. They're just like name. So is Elisha and Elijah their actual names? You think, or are these names that the writers later put on there? It's a, it's a great question, and I don't know how we could tell. Um, they certainly describe them well, and and their roles well. So you always have to wrestle with this question: Well, were their parents inspired to name them? I mean, most people or at least a great number of people had names that had said something about God in them. So that's not right. uncommon, right? So you can certainly believe that. Um, and it's quite likely that uh, if you have, and they give someone a religious name and they end up being a religious person, that in some way their name is prophetic, right? Right. And you can also get people who are inspired. So were Elijah's people, uh, parents inspired to name him Elijah, and then his name kind of shaped him a little bit so that he is loudly proclaiming, because his, his name means uh, my God is Jehovah. And right. I, if there's anything that fit Elijah, and especially in that contest with the priests of Baal, uh, if that, if that seems like he, that's what he's saying loud and clear, my God is Jehovah. So uh, was it prophetic and it shaped him, or is this a name they gave him later? I, I don't know. I don't think we can tell uh, with and, that, or Elisha. And, and Elisha is God is salvation. Yeah, yeah. So the, the root word of God or Hebrews, my God is L. salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Or my yeah. God. Yeah. So L. So it's just interesting that he, you know, I don't know, maybe it, it, I, I just wondered if you had a, a thought on that, if they were names that were given later or if we know they were actual names. Not it's, that it really matters too much, but it, yeah, it's really possible they're given later. Um, I, I kind of lean towards not, but I don't have any good reason for that. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I mean, they describe their mission so perfectly i i don't know i really don't that's, but it's an interesting that's really, thought that's really what i was getting at and the point of all that that question was they really they really are so descriptive of what these prophets are going to do the problem that is happening with israel at this point especially with the, the split with the northern kingdom is the northern kingdom has gone off the rails and they're all about going after different gods and yeah. elijah is declaring jehovah is the god Right. It's, it's not all these other ones. It's, that's the God. And so it's, it, it's so spot on. You're like, uh, were they born into those names or were the names just given to them because it fits it so well? But anyway, that's what we have. Yeah. And, and Elisha as well, because uh, I mean, he's, he's right. going God to teach them how they can receive, I mean, salvation from Syria as in not getting destroyed by Syria. He's a key element in that. And, and, and then of course, larger salvation as well. So, right. Perfect. So that's, that's a great setup for who Elisha is and then let's talk a little bit about the story so the stories that happen in between in um 20 21 22 in first kings uh elijah's finishing out his ministry we suspect that elisha might be there somewhere but he's not mentioned specifically no. but, but you would assume mentioned. he's there but you'd never hear about him right right yeah so he he's um he comes uh elisha let's well is there's anything we need to cover as far as uh, what goes on, he does some great things. Um, let's well, let's jump ahead here to I think it's Second uh, Kings chapter two, and we're going to talk about the mantle, which you were just which yeah. you were just mentioning. So, um, let's set up a little bit about what's going on. So Elijah is he knows he's going to go. Now, this is an interesting thing. I, I think there's a lot of prophets might have a sense that their time is. Uh, short and they need to get things in order. And I've known this with even people that I've known that were very in touch with the spirit. Yeah. They get things set up so that their transition doesn't leave everybody in a win. But this one's interesting. 
he keeps saying it says it like at least five times maybe more than that like i'm gonna go pretty soon i gotta do this and it's yeah. mentioned and these other people know times. it as well yeah and then how do the other people know it except for if elijah's telling them you haven't thought yeah. on that well, I mean, so you've got this group and, and Elijah's a different case because he's going to be translated, right? So this is just different altogether than uh, other situations. But you get this group that are called the sons of the prophets. So if you look in, in say, 2 Kings 2, uh, verse 3. Yeah, verse 3. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And the yeah, sons of the prophets. Were... Oh, the, the sons of the prophets. And, and this isn't the first time we've heard of this group um sometimes it's translated children of the prophets it's the same word just you sometimes say son sometimes children um and uh so we encountered them for example saul uh was told by um samuel after he was anointed you're going to encounter these sons of the prophets and then you'll start to prophesy with them and he did uh so this is a group of people and there may be several different groups that are inspired uh, do they have uh, separate jobs uh, and they just get together sometimes? Or are they groups that travel around together? It seems like maybe there's some of each. We don't really know a lot about them, but there are these inspired groups um, that uh, are together quite often. Uh, they seem to be different groups in different places. Uh, so maybe these are like, you know, the high priest quorum or something like I'm just joking because there's not a high priest quorum, <laughs> but, um, but there, there's something like that, a, a group that gets together, worships together, and is inspired together. Um, and so I would assume that that's at least part of how they know what's going to happen is that this is an inspired group. So they, they say to him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And basically says, I know it, quit talking about it. Yeah, I know. And Elisha says, ah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, Hold yeah. your this, peace. Yeah, this, this is not a subject that, to bring up with me right now. Get out of here. <laughs> um, I, I think it's interesting, and I've often wondered, and this is a, a topic for a, another time, but it talks about these groups that are out there that seem to be inspired and know things. And I often wonder if they had books, did they have, did they write revelations down? Where would those be? And what, what information would they have to share? It, it's just uh, something to think about. Yeah, it is a great question. And, 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 this is worth maybe two little caveats. I mean, one, I, I would love it if they had writings and they surfaced one day. We're kind of at the, the just on the almost on the cusp of when there's a cultural shift and writing things down becomes more common, which I think is probably why we don't have any writings of Elijah or Elisha. I think they probably didn't write because it just wasn't something you did, right? It, uh, it, it's very few people writing things down. Uh, but you get this change within the next like 50 to 70 years so that you'll, you'll, it becomes more common all throughout the ancient Near East for not just officials to write down official things that need to be kept track of for bureaucratic reasons, but for people to write down other things. And so that's why you're suddenly just after this going to get Amos and uh, Isaiah and so on. These prophets who do write their words down or have scribes write their words down like Jeremiah. Um, but that's, that's kind of a new thing. So my guess is they're not writing, but we don't really know for sure. Um, secondly, it's interesting because we're, we're always looking for a structure that seems familiar to us, an organizational structure. And that's one of the reasons that the Old Testament's a little frustrating for us because we keep looking for the structure and it just doesn't exist. There is, you have, we want to see a prophet who is the presiding prophet. And we really don't see that. We do see frequently prophets who are more well-known and everybody uh, un understands, hey, we should listen to these guys. Elijah and Elisha are certainly some. Jeremiah and uh, Isaiah are going to be some. 
But even Jeremiah and Isaiah, we know, uh, for example, um, uh, Micah is prophesying at the same time as uh, Isaiah, and Ezekiel and Lehi and others are prophesying at the same time as Jeremiah. So we don't have this kind of quorum and, and uh, organizational structure with, uh, with a hierarchy that we're used to. And you even get prophets who are inspired to go and correct other prophets and things like that. Um, <laughs> and, and so there are all sorts of odd things that are just not what we're wanting and what we're looking for. And while it is true that there are some organizational things that are timeless in the gospel, uh, it's probably less than what we think. Uh, and it frustrates us that we can't figure out how these groups fit in with each other because we're very structured and very organized and necessarily so for an international church. Sure. Um, but uh, this is uh, kind of an international church, but I, I also in terms of practicality, very, very regional. Uh, and uh, so you've got all sorts of people inspired uh, and they interact with each other and who knows uh, who's uh, uh, it, does Elijah have stewardship over these sons of the prophets? Ah, I, I don't know that we can say. I don't know that we can talk about stewardship in that way with these this time period. So all we can say is that there are some inspired folks, and they interact with other inspired folks, and that's good. Interesting. Uh, it, it's so... It's not mentioned... It's, I think only, it's only here about these guys twice, right, that I know of. And this it's only a passing reference. Uh, no, we, we find them uh, a number of times in the Elisha story um, and a bit in the Elijah story. And uh, then we get, like I said, it was in the Samuel and Saul story. So that's enough to cover, uh, you know, a, a good span of time uh, to, to suggest. And then you're going to find other groups that seem like they're the same group in Jeremiah's day. So we're probably looking at least a couple hundred years where you've got these groups like this. Uh, and but we just know so little about them. Ah, interesting. I was thinking about it appears twice in the Elijah st or Elisha story, I think. Yeah. And maybe more, but I'm just thinking of just when it calls them sons of the prophets. But anyway, that's interesting. And as, if you're following along at home, we're in chapter two now. We've a, a few things happen. Um, uh, Elijah prophesies of uh, Isaiah's death. Um, the, don't don't miscount those or discount those stories. They're they're good stories also. But we're we're following in this podcast the transition from Elijah to Elisha, and a little way around Elijah to Elisha. I said, okay. Yeah. Anyway, okay. And the fun thing, or the interesting thing about Elisha now, we don't hear about him for four chapters, and then he comes on and he's following, uh, uh, following uh, Elijah. And Elijah, this in verse two it says, Elijah said unto Elisha, "Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent thee, or sent me to Bethel." Well, that's kind of a, a uh, is that a command or a request, whatever, but it's coming from the prophet. Elisha said to him, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And so they both went down to Bethel. Okay. Yeah, well, this happens. Like he's trying to ditch him. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, what is Elisha up to? But Elisha, or Elijah is up to. And Elisha's like, nope, I'm, I'm going to come with you. And so he doesn't seem bothered. They go down. Now, I and do then, have to, let's just pause just for a second. I, I love to just try and make these things uh, you know, real and kind of think about what they're like. We have zero information about this, but sometimes I stop and think, uh, we've already said Elijah is just, he's an interesting guy, right? Fantastic right. prophet. He's a loner. 
he is absolutely a loner. And sometimes he complains about, oh, there are no, no one else that follows God. And God says, actually, lots of people, but let's keep going on. <laughs> um, and uh, Elijah, uh, I mean, he's just, he's quirky. Can you imagine being Elisha? who seems to come from, you know, Elijah's the, the mountain man guy. Elisha's come from somewhat of a wealthy background, right? Yeah. And now he's trying to follow Elijah around and communicate with him. And I don't feel like Elijah is like the easiest person to communicate with uh, or to be a, a roommate with, right? This is the, he, he's a good guy, but my guess is that it took Elisha a while to figure out how to work with Elijah. Like, okay, do I ask a question now? Do I not? Oh, every time he answers me, it's a riddle or something like that, right? <laughs> uh, it, it probably, I, I would have liked to have just seen what that was like as Elisha figured out working with Elijah. And I think we're seeing just this little evidence here where Elijah says, stay here. And he's like, nah, thanks so. <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah, but they figured out how to work with each other. But it's interesting because, you know, you think, okay, he's disobeying the prophet, but I, I, apparently Elisha knows the difference between a Elijah, the man and Elijah, the prophet given a directive. He says, no, I can do it. I'm coming with you. Yeah. And this happens three times in verse four, same thing. And Elijah said, Elisha, Terry here. I pray thee for Lord to send me to Jericho. And, and the way he answers is not just, ah, nah. He says, and as he said, again, same thing as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. So it's like, ah, this guy, I can't get rid of him. But anyway, same thing. And again, in verse six, Elijah said, and, and each time the pro- sons of these prophets are saying, yep, you're going to lose him. And I'm like, I know. Shut oh up. yeah. They pop up again. The sons of prophets, Hey, he's going to die. And, and Elijah keeps going, shush. Yeah. Anyway, then we go to verse six. This, this whole cadence of the story is interesting to me. And I, the lessons to take out of it, I'm not sure, but I, it, it, I think it'll speak to different people, different ways. But again, in verse six, and Elijah said to him, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord has called me now to Jordan. And he said to him, as the Lord liveth, his soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And so the two went on, and they two went on. So yeah. three times he tries to get rid of him. And is that a test? Is he saying, Levy, let's just see what happens. And he's like, nope, the Lord has told me I got to follow you. I'm going to stick to you like glue. And, you know, maybe Elijah's going, yeah, okay. All right, this guy gets it. He gets it. Ah, I got to go to Jericho. I'm gonna, I'll be back in May. I'm going to get some eggs. Nope. I'm sticking with it. So I don't know what the deal is, but it's it's an interesting story. And the way Elijah or Elisha answers him, as they soul live it, and as as the Lord liveth, soul liveth. That's a that's a that's an oath kind of thing. That's yeah, an oath oh, language. Yeah. When you invoke the name of the Lord and you invoke the soul, he's like, "There's no way I'm not doing it." So maybe he knows something that's up, and he's not going to miss out on it. And um, I just think it's an interesting commentary on their relationship. Uh, what's going on here and yeah. he sticks with him and again we we see three we see seven we see 12 occasionally other numbers but those numbers seem to come up so often and yeah. they it seems like the writers are trying to indicate there's something going on so this the thing happens three times he says it three times answer the same way um but he's he's uh he's a dedicated um dedicated to his mentor elisha is to his mentor elijah and he's yeah. going to stick to him and we should probably mention also that um, I don't have the reference in front of you. Where is that the, Elisha asked for for a double portion of his spirit? Uh, it's it's happening uh, just right where we're at now. It's going to happen right after that when when Elijah takes the the mantle in verse eight. Okay, there it is. Okay, yeah. so let's read that. Um, so in verse eight, Elijah took up his mantle and wrapped it together, and he smote the waters. Now, when he says wrapped it together, it, it seems to indicate like he he rolls it or he makes something. Yeah, 
I, yeah, I, I kind of picture it being rolled up, but I don't know exactly what that means, but it's yeah. some, something small. He wrapped it together, but he smote the waters with it. So yeah. maybe you think about when you used to snap your brother with a towel, you whip it up like this. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what he's doing there. <laughs> I love that. Sm- That's what he did. He snapped that. <laughs> he snapped his mantle. It's like, like he, he does something, he wraps it up. So he like twists up a towel and it's like, he smacks the water and boom, the waters are divided. So here again, we see Moses's, like you mentioned earlier, a, a signature miracle. Um, uh, you know, parting the Red Sea, and then um, Joshua does it. He parts the Jordan, and, and now Elijah does it. He with his mantle. He doesn't have a staff. He uses mantle. So, he, whatever for whatever reason, the mantle is his um, manifestation. Like Moses had a staff, and yeah. and you know, uh, he's got a mantle. And for some reason, that's what, how he focuses his energy or whatever. He takes the mantle and he, he, he smote the waters and they divided hither and thither and they two went over on dry ground. So there's that miracle again. Um, and I just think it's an interesting way. Again, he's a, Elijah is a very unique individual and I see a lot of personality in there and I don't want to read yeah. too much into it. Maybe it's just my comedic mind trying to read stuff, but I just think this guy's a, an interesting guy to be around. <laughs> he is. And Elijah's kind of a character as well. And so, Anyway. Yeah, he, he he kind of takes on some of the uh, the characteristics of his mentor, it seems, uh, a little later uh, when you see him interacting with others. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a bit. Um, yeah. And, and it came to pass, uh, this is verse 9 now, and it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I, before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, Elisha said, and said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me let's pause there for a second and talk yeah. about that what does that mean to have a double portion it's a great question asking? and i'm not sure we fully understand it it would seem to me so there's no on the face of it answer that makes sense so we have to read something into it uh so it would seem to me that he's saying however much god was helping you to make you be able to do what you need to do i need twice as much help <laughs> Uh, okay. That's kind of how I read it. Like the, the spirit that's helping you let a double portion of that be on me. If I'm going to step into your shoes, I need a lot of help is, is basically what this is saying. Uh, and I read it something like this also about asking for good gifts. You know, Solomon, uh, good. Solomon asks for wisdom. He doesn't ask for other things. He asks for the wisdom yeah. and he's given wisdom because he asked for it. And John, the beloved in the new Testament, yeah, uh, you know, he at one point, you know, the uh, he asked the apostles, "What do you want me to do?" And uh, I want to sit on your right hand, and I want to, you know. Yeah. So they ask for good gifts, and I think that's a lesson for us. Let's ask for good gifts. Now, is it Elijah's um, ability to give him double portion of the spirit? He's not asking for his own soul, but he's he's asking for the help of God. Well, Elijah can't specifically do that for him. He can't yeah. give him. I'll give you double my power. That's not. Elijah's to give, but right. the lesson I take away from that is ask for good gifts. He's asking for the right thing. His heart's in the right place. He's saying exactly what you said. I, I'm going to need twice as much power. You know, you've done some great things. I got some big tasks to face. If I'm going to take over your shoes, give me a double portion of spirit. So I take away from that. Let's ask for good gifts. Let's ask for things that will help us. It's not the money and the wealth and the and all these things. Let's ask for wisdom. Let's ask that we can be you know, um, kept in the presence of God. Let's ask for a double portion. Of spirit. Yeah, just the ability yeah. to help other people is what all yeah. of those things really kind of boil down to. Yeah. Right. 
Perfect. So I think it's a, that's a good commentary on Elisha yeah. and what he says. And so anyway, so that's what we get. A, we get some information on Elisha there. And then, um, then Elisha gets taken up here. So right there, yeah. next thing that happens there. Oh, you, you have well, verse and, 10. And he gives, he gives that key. Yeah. In verse 10, right. Go ahead. Oh, and he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. So again, we're going back to Elijah's like, I, I can't do that specifically, but if you see what's going to happen in a minute, then you know you're in. Yeah, then <laughs> that, you know that the God's Lord's granting it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but, so Elijah must know what's going to happen. I, I don't know how he knows exactly what's going to happen, but he's like, Okay, you're gonna get it. You'll you'll get that if you see what's gonna happen right now, then you'll know. If not, it's not gonna be that. But so Elijah doesn't know how how Elisha is gonna be blessed. Yeah. But anyway, so that's interesting. Uh, going on to verse eleven. Go ahead. Do you have something on that? No. Good. Keep going. Oh, okay. In uh, verse eleven, it came to pass they went. They still went on and talked. And behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by by a whirlwind into heaven. Now, what a scene is that, right? Yeah. So they come up there, they're walking, they're talking, and, and this chariot of fire and horses, man, I'd like to go that way. That'd be great. Rather than dying in a hospital bed somewhere, pick me up in a chariot of fire. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an unforgettable image, isn't it? Well, and I don't know. Who, who knows what the other side is like? Maybe if you could see people passing out of this world in hospital beds. Maybe the, there's other people, but this is apparently uh, a welcome for Elijah for doing, for being a good servant. You've been a good servant. You've done my will. Um, it's a testament to Elisha that, that the Lord looked out for his prophet. Yeah. And it's, it's worth pausing for at least a moment to ask why is Elijah being taken up rather than dying, um, which is he's, he's got to join Moses's uh, not mortal traveling buddy, but from here on out traveling buddy in being able to come to the Mount of Transfiguration to bestow keys, which he can only do if he's holding, uh, if he has a physical body and the resurrection hasn't happened yet. So he has to be translated to do that. Right. But, right. Uh, but at least if he's going to be translated, he's going to be translated in style, right? He's, <laughs> he's, he's not just going to, disappear he is he's going you know chariots are kind of the nicest uh, mode of transportation for the day but he doesn't even get just a normal chariot this is a, a chariot of fire maybe it's a, another way it's just a really light filled chariot but uh, i mean this is this is a cool way to go i'm i'm i'd be happy to travel sometime in a chariot of fire but uh it's it's good stuff yeah it sounds it's it's fitting for a prophet who was a was a unique individual let's say that yeah so yeah, anyway, so everything Elijah does, he does with style. <laughs> so very good. So he, uh, Elijah went up by the whirlwind into heaven. And when Elijah, Elisha, excuse me, saw it, he cried and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them into two pieces. Now you've talked about this a little bit about the tearing of the clothes yeah. as a sign of mourning. Yes, this um, outward expression of what's happening in your heart. So if you're feeling torn up inside, you tear up outside as well. Right. But this is where we learn Elisha does see it, right? It's very clear. Not only does it say he saw it, but he describes what he sees. So we know 
that he saw him go up. So he gets the double portion of the spirit. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently that's going to be, it will be so to him. So the, the Lord's going to call us. Now this is interesting. And we've talked about that mantle and it being the kind of focus of, of Elijah's power or, you know, whatever symbol. Um, and he also took up the mantle of Elijah. This is verse 13. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the Jordan. Now, so let's talk about taking up the mantle. Um, this is, this is, starts uh, the whole saying about taking upon the mantle of yeah, leadership. The mantle which, is falling upon this person and so on. Right. And which is not just in the church and not just in Christianity, particularly but really is known the worldwide. You hear about the mantle of leadership. You know, they talk yeah. about presidents who have now taken on the mantle. This is where it comes from, unless I'm wrong. And if you think I'm incorrect, correct me in the comments no, down below. It's, it's right. Oh, yeah. Someone yeah, else. No, yeah, the, the, yeah. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> watching here, correct me in the comments down below. But I looked and looked for other references about this. As like, is this where we actually get the passing of the mantle? And it does seem to come from this story is where we get the whole, um, uh, not cliche, but the whole image of taking on the mantle. It comes from Elijah's story. And this is yeah. kind of as a side note, just shows you how much impact the Bible really had on the development of language and concepts in the world at large. Yeah, absolutely you know, true. It, it, uh, for so many years, the Bible was what was the main text that people read for both religious instruction and also literary instruction. This is what they learned to read it wasn't you know little women and uh, dostoevsky's and you know tale of two cities it was the bible they read and this has influenced a lot of sayings and and traditions and customs that we have come from the bible so this is where we get the passing of the mantle and now we use it quite often when we talk about uh the prophets changing and the mantle fell upon them and it it happens in the in the uh in the restoration of the church, when the mantle passes from Joseph to, to Brigham Young, people talk about the, the physical appearance and that mantle falling upon them. And this is where it comes from to begin with. Yeah, so anyway. I agree. And there's, there's a tremendous principle here as well, that uh, especially in a church where other than um, the, the few leaders we have at the, that are leading the church, the rest of us trade positions all the time. Uh, and, and to recognize that this mantle, another way that we could say this is uh, either keys or, or being set apart or something along those lines. But uh, it's very real that, that something passes one from another person. Um, I can remember uh, on my mission, I served um, as a zone leader, I don't know, for like a year and a half or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I asked if I could uh, train the last two months of my mission. And uh, it's interesting because while I was a zone leader, I always understood what we needed to do in each zone. Okay, we need to do this and this and this to help this zone. And then I was moved to a zone where I was not the zone leader. And you're not even set apart as a zone leader. You're just kind of called, right? But it right. was still pretty real because uh, the zone leaders there were, were some guys who uh, I'd worked with earlier. And they came to me and they said, what do you think we should do for, for the zone uh, and this and this thing? And I couldn't think of a thing. And all that time, I thought it was because I really understood it, and it became very clear to me. No, that was God helping me because uh, this is uh, this is my that was my calling, and it's not my calling now. And I I got nothing. You guys are going to have to go learn from the Lord yourselves, right? Uh, or even now, uh, 
when I first moved into the ward I'm in now, there's a fantastic man was bishop and he was released and someone else was called as bishop. And then, uh, and then I was called as bishop and I called that guy who was bishop when I first moved in as my executive secretary. Um, well, I asked the stake president, the stake president called him, but uh, right. yeah, I get it. <laughs> and a, it, it, to his, I mean, he's such a great guy a number of times in different councils uh, as we were doing things, uh, he would say, I understand and have great faith in the keys that the bishop holds. And he wasn't talking about me, right? Uh, right. But he understood what it meant for a mantle to pass from one person to another. And, and he'd say, I, I, I just, I understand what's happening for that individual. I, it used to happen for me. It's not happening for me now. It's happening for him. Let's, let's go with that, right? And right, uh, right. I, I think that this is a principle that's worth understanding because one day, uh, it, uh, and I won't say whether I hope it's soon or not, but anyway, uh, <laughs> someone else will have the, the calling that I'm in and, uh, and it will be important for me to understand that the mantle is passing from me to him and, uh, uh, that those keys have passed and we just support each other because that's how the church works. We, we rotate through callings like crazy. And one day you're presiding and the next day someone else is presiding and that's just how it works. Yeah, that is really interesting. I've seen stake presidents uh, go to be nursery leaders for a while. Yeah. After, and, and that's great. That's the way it works in church. Sometimes you have your chance to be a leader and sometimes you have your chance to lead in another way or or teach. You know, I, I've been in lots of different leadership roles and and I like them all and, and they're great. But I also like just to just to teach. It's fun just to, to teach and and to be with the youth sometimes. That's great. And then, and then just believe that for each calling, there is a mantle for that calling and uh, appreciate the mantle that we're wearing at the time and uh, understand the mantle that other people are wearing. I think that's great I, because I, I had a bishop when I was in the bishopric, I, my bishop I served with for a long time. He one time said to me, um, I wish people could sit on this side of the desk for a little while. Yeah. And he, and he, but he, that wasn't the end of his statement. He goes, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, you know, like walk a mile in my shoes. What I mean is I wish you could see the, the changes in people and the spirit working in the lives from this side of the desk. And I think that works both. Sometimes I think, you know, you hear people, oh, well, Bishop so-and-so or brother so-and-so or sister, whatever is not doing this. And I'm like, man, take some time and, and spend a bunch of hours a week trying to help people out and you might want to give them a little bit of grace because sometimes you don't understand what's going on in the people they're working with life or their life. Uh, and a lot of times it just, I think that we could all use a little more humility and a little less judgment in almost everything that we do in the church and let people grow in their callings and you grow in your calling and not try to steady the arc as it were, you know? So that's great. I mean, it's, and it's great to get to get the feel to have that, um, have that responsibility to help other people and the, and the help that comes with it, like the double portion of spirit that, uh, that Elisha gets and that Elijah had, it passes to him now. And now Elisha has it and he's going to go use that. And, uh, so that's, um, those good lessons. Uh, I like that. And we've got this incident also where he, he in turn takes that mantle and, Parts the river Jordan, right? Oh, that's right. At the end, of this yeah. So same thing. So it's almost becomes like a hey, if you get a private prophet, at least you gotta you gotta split the waters. Yeah. You know, 
yeah and it, it is remarkably as you pointed out earlier it's remarkably like that transition from moses to joshua where you had shoes that were larger than life to fill and god had a way of letting people know and i'm with i'm with this guy every bit as much as i was with uh, any of the others and uh and elijah also has become just you know a prophet writ large in the skies as it were and uh and it's those are the god lets everybody know he's with elisha the same way he was with elijah and that's probably part of why it's good that the these sons of the prophets are there to witness it so it's not just elijah there's someone else who from afar sees that this happens and word can spread that as god was with elijah so he is with elisha and i'm, I'm paraphrasing from that that's what god said to joshua as i was with moses so i will be with you but but you see uh, I think there's an intentional parallel here, and uh, it's it's important for Elisha that this happens. I think that's right, and I don't think that every prophet needs to have a miracle or split the Red Sea or do something like that or have a rod that calls fire. I don't think it's a kid, but for this people at this time, there does seem to be a stamp of approval because remember the the uh, Israel is split now. They got the Northern Kingdom, Southern yeah. Kingdom, and there are other people that are prophetic out there. But who is speaking for the Lord? And I think at this particular time, the Lord is okay with a few symbols, just like when Joseph Smith um, uh, was was killed and then Brigham Young took over. Uh, you know, the people were not sure. There was Sidney Rigdon, there was Brigham Young, there's all these people in the wagons, and who do we follow? And the Lord is okay with giving a sign yeah. once in a while, especially this people who are very... Mm, physical sign oriented they need to have something yeah. to keep them in the right track and i think this is a great way so they just went across the river and and uh and elijah's taken up and now elisha's coming back across the river and he does the same thing he takes the mantle boom puts it on you know across the and they come back and they're like oh well all right there's the new prophet there's the yeah. mantle has fallen upon him literally and figuratively so yep and and i think i mean it's not even just uh sometimes god is okay with signs especially for these people who are very symbol oriented very, very frequently, God is, is uh, more than happy to give a, a kind of a sign. He just works with us in the way that we need to be worked with. So. Right. Exactly. I think that's great. Well, let's, um, there's a few more things that I'd like to talk about Elisha that are in the reading that we're going to cover for this week, but let's, um, let's end this here with, uh, so that our, our audience who's listening they don't have to listen to two hours or whatever. They can listen to this in a chunk and maybe the next one in a chunk if they have some time. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, more about Elisha and about some of the miracles that he does when he starts off his ministry. But we'll leave it there with the transition from Elijah to Elisha. Elisha is now the prophet. He has the mantle. He's doing the miracles and he starts in uh, right away. And then next, uh, next podcast, we'll spend a little bit of time on the first couple of miracles that, uh, that Elisha does and what those mean. Sounds great. All right. So well, much so good stuff. We can't, uh, can't talk about it at all. I know we gotta, gotta break it up. I, the whole Testament general has, there's so much detail and so much interesting stories. Like you just get the flavor of what Elijah is like this mountain man, a little bit crazy, not crazy, like yeah. mentally crazy, but just a, a little, he's a very unique individual. Yeah. And, uh, and we missed that. We're speeding through so fast and we're catching the principles. All great. But hopefully this podcast helps enlighten a few things and gives a little bit of um, reality to it. That's what this, the scriptures are real. We're trying to give a little bit of reality to 
the scriptures and when they become real. And when, when I see the real people come out of the stories, that's when it becomes real to me because I'm, I'm actually a professional comedian if, if people haven't heard that before. And I see things in a little bit different light and I always, what's the, what's the funny part? What's the humorous part? What's the entertaining part about this? And not to make light of these things. And if you think I'm too silly, leave that down in the comments below too. Uh, Lamar is too silly. But if they think you're to too is, silly, I'm really worried about myself. <laughs> well, I think that's why we get along is because okay. I, in your comments and stuff, I find a lot of good fun stuff. But we're trying to make this real to us. We're relating these people. They aren't just stories. They were real people that lived. They had real quirks. And they also had real um, spiritual things that they shared with the world. And I think that's what we're trying to get out of this. Amen. All right. Well, uh, join us again on the next one, and uh, we'll sign off for this one. Thanks again for joining us on The Scriptures Are Real. Um, again, I'm Lamar, and this is Carrie, and we'll see you next time.